Which which team are you picking? Which team are you picking to win it all out of these? The New Orleans Saints. Yeah, me too. Fuck. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. We're in the new year and we have another Yak Sports Podcast coming at you and Joe Deck is with me and we're going to start out like we did all fall. We're going to start out with high school football because we had news today taping on Monday that Coach Moran at Waynesboro is out as coach there, uh, I believe stepping away on his terms and uh he didn't have success there and, and uh, in, the, in the last two years as head coach, but obviously being on staff the last 14 years, he was there when they rose up from 0-10 seasons to go on deep playoff runs and a couple, three or four straight years of playoffs, uh, but now he's out. And so uh, that's big news on the day. Whenever a head coach at a, at a football program, particularly in the area, that's big news. It was the talk of the town this afternoon. People uh, texting, asking if I knew anything. I, I don't. Um, but I feel bad. I don't think this is a good thing for a program that already didn't have a JV program last year. Um, oh, and 20 these last two seasons. I, I don't see how a fresh face just goes in there and turns this into a positive real quick. I wonder if McDaniel comes back. That's, that's the conversations I've been having. And I, it's just, it's, if you're having kids struggling to come out for the guy that's already there, I just, I, I wonder the inroads that a new guy could have any anytime quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's, I and think, that's also meeting the guy and talking. And we had, he was a, yak right. sport, he came on the expert podcast. He seemed like a nice guy and he had sure. the right approach and he wasn't, you know, he didn't seem like a military general. Like it's just I, after meeting him, it's hard for me to think he, his personality or something was a problem there. I, I always thought, man, this is bad things going on around him and he's doing his best. I mean, that, that's part of what I'm saying there. Sure. Um, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I don't know how much, a coaching change is going to get more people to come out or not come out. Yeah. Uh, and so that would be my chief concern. If, if you barely had enough to field a varsity team this last year, you even had to forfeit a game. Yeah. Uh, and now you're making a coaching change. Is that going to be even more of a problem to get kids out? And if it is, uh, are you even hiring a football coach? So, you know, these are all things Waynesboro is going to have to look at now and try to figure out. They, I think the first thing you have to do is almost gauge interest in the in the student body to see if there's enough people that want to play football. And, yeah. if and maybe not, gauge interest in the existing staff of who's right, who's, who's on staff, who's even in the school. You open it up a little bit wider. But because. If, yeah, yeah, because if if they don't have in my in my opinion, if you don't have enough interest in the student body, though, you don't even need to go through this search because what's the point? If you don't have enough kids yeah. to play on the team, don't waste any time on on this. I wonder if McDaniel comes back is is well, was then, my first thought. But then who's your AD? Well, I you know, I I don't get this where they can't be ADs and football coaches anymore. I I, I think in Stanton that was presented to Tibbs as what had to happen from, from what I've heard. I don't, I don't know that from Tibbs. I don't know that from a Stanton school board member. I just, that's what I've heard. I, I don't think it's against any VHSL rule or anything. I think it's oh, a personal I thought it was choice. A VHSL thing. And, and, and coach McDaniel didn't want to, didn't want to do both jobs. I wonder if with the amount of questions surrounding the existence of the program, if maybe that's really the only way to fit this is 
have McDaniel come back because then if there is no team, you're not really changing staffing. And then um, that kind of gives you some time and maybe you can find the right guy to come into a program that's found a little bit of stepping or has committed to playing eight-man football. That's been the talk around these schools that aren't being able to field teams. Do they go to that eight-man football? Is that league going to become more popular in VHSL? I think all of that discussion is very relevant. And, you know, 10 hours into this news, we don't know the answers and which directions anybody's going. You'd, you'd have to assume they want to get a foot, head football coach soon so they can continue their off-season workouts, get kids interested, get kids involved. And so I wouldn't expect this to carry on till May. And uh, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. Uh, I I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think this is something that we don't know till the end of the school year. I think it's going to be pretty quick. Yeah. This Uh, isn't, you know, the, this isn't like any other opening that we had last season. We we had three openings last season Mm -hmm. and I'm sure I, I know all those jobs I heard about, lists of people that were interviewed and had um, put their name into the hat for different jobs. And, uh, you know, you talked about Riverheads, who was a, coming off three state championships in a row, Buffalo Gap off of a playoff run, uh, Stanton, which had a decade of playoff runs. Uh, this isn't that. So it is a very different thing. It'll be re- it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And I think it'll be very telling on what we're expecting from Waynesboro's future based on who they get, how quickly they get, and probably some of the comments that come out of a hiring. Yeah, I agree. All right, getting over to the active sports on the uh, play and field or court in this case, high school basketball. Uh, most of the teams stayed active here over the New Year's holiday. They got going after Christmas. And uh, one thing to take away is Waynesboro Riverheads in boys' action. They met up both undefeated and a game where Riverheads really contended led a lot of the way Waynesboro came out in the end too strong down low shooting the high percentage shots and they got the big W against Riverheads to stay undefeated. Yeah. I think Waynesboro has been kind of uh, a pleasant surprise. Yeah. They're playing really, really well. Uh, and that's great. Uh, and hopefully they can keep it going because again, we just talked about now they've lost their football coach and there's a lot of athletics wise that Waynesboro is not, that's not good news, but this is, you know, good news for Waynesboro and the little giants, uh, athletic team, uh, program there with the high school basketball team being undefeated. And, you know, we got to watch them a little bit last year, Leland, and mm-hmm. I know you and I both had similar feelings in this is a team that has talent. It's just putting it all together. And it seems so far this year that they've managed to do that. And that's great. Um, Riverhead's losing. I, I know Riverhead's doesn't want to lose, but still, it's only their first loss of the year. This is looking like a team that, as expected, contending in that is game going too. to be, yeah. yeah, is well, and also for bigger picture, this is going to be a team that is going to be playing for a a district title, uh, as expected. Yeah, and so, yeah, I think it's a good, a good experience for both teams in this case. They play a rematch January 22nd. I already put it down on my calendar because I want to go see that game Mm -hmm. uh, just because it'll be another measuring stick a couple of weeks later after some district games are played. 
Uh, so that'll be an interesting Wednesday night a couple weeks from now. Other interesting games this week, uh, Waynesboro plays Stanton. That's the old rivalry, uh, not Valley District rivalry anymore, as we know, but still an interesting game there. And then the the Rock the Ribbon tournament this weekend. Draft is in it. They play Harrisonburg Friday night. And then Stanton, another interesting game for them as they play Martinsville. That old uh, postseason rivalry renewed there. I think Martinsville won that game last year. They did. Um, but they do Saturday, 4 p.m. down there in Lexington. Last year, I think that thing got thrown off with weather, pushed two weeks, and then everything got messed up. It's supposed to be like 60 this weekend. So I think good weather and that that schedule should hold for the boys uh, down there at the Rock the Ribbon Tournament. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only games in question are tomorrow's games uh, in terms of weather. But yeah, we'll, we'll, and see. we'll see. Uh, and, and by the time you're listening to this, uh, we'll You'll know, know. Uh, <laughs> the girls action uh, gap continues to. Uh, to be having a solid season they've been tested they're playing well but Wilson is that team that stands out to me when I look at those girls standings that they don't have a good record they're down they're down at two and five they've had a really tough schedule they played really good schools and sure they want to win some of those games but I think as the season progresses you're going to see this paying off for them more than hurting them. Um, I think this week it starts where they play TA again. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they compete in that game a lot closer than they did last time, even win that game. And uh, they also have Broadway. And those are two of the three really good Valley District teams. And the reason that matters, sure, that's not Shannon to a district, but those are teams that are in Region 3C. So that's the quality that you're going to have to beat to come out of region three C, which might be asking a lot from this year's group of green Hornets. But I think the girls there at Wilson have had a tough go so far, and I could really see them go on a run here in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, they're playing well. And here's the thing right now, when you look at the standings really on boys and girls side, but the boys side is appears to be a two horse race and the girls side you know, it looks uh, like one, maybe two. I, I just, I don't know what to make of Stewart's draft. I mean, it, it seemed to be a team that, you know, at times last year was good. Right now they're off to a hot start. But I don't know, Leland. I, I just feel like Buffalo Gap, after that down year last year, is back again. And this is a team that has experience in their coaching staff, has experience of making deep runs. I, I just feel like if... Anybody on this girl's side from the Shenandoah district is going to make a run. It's going to be Buffalo Gap. I think postseason wise, yes, because I think in two B they're going to be they're going to be better off than what Wilson will end up being in three C. I think Wilson could probably go on a regular season run here, but but then I don't see them really coming out of the region. So I I, I don't disagree with what you're saying there. Uh, I think the Riverheads girls, no matter where they wind up in this district standing, I still think they're going to be strong in down in one B. Cause I think, well, yeah, I keep forgetting one B. Yeah. Yeah. I think these are strong teams that they're playing, even, even with the, with the bad records at Wilson and, and Stanton. I mean, these are good tests each and every week. And then no one overheads will play Buffalo gap who we're giving credit to. So I think I agree with you on a post season, you know, state kind of run here, but I think in the district it could get pretty interesting because I know Fort Defiance is supposed to be pretty strong this year. I think they have a lot of good players. Um, I don't know if their schedule so far has really showed showed that they're as strong as they're supposed to be, but I think that's still yet to be decided. Going back to the boys, though, where you said I think you said it's a two-team race, I assume in the district there. I, just, I don't think Stewart Strass putting this together. 
I don't know, man. I've seen it too many times. I think one year they started out like 0-6, and, and then they won their next 10. And, like, there's been other years where they, like, get, in, get to the Shenandoah District Tournament. All of a sudden they wind up second. All of a sudden they wind up second in the region. Like, that system is hard for teams to play, and especially when they get an opportunity to play teams from outside this area, it's even harder for them to match up with Stewart's draft. So I think I just, it's hard for me to count Stewart's draft out because I've just seen it too many times. I've seen Wilson Memorial play some really tough teams so far this year. Same as the girls, the boys have played some tough games. I'm interested to see what they're doing. I don't think a lot of fortifies. I don't think that's a team that's going to be on a run here, but I think the Shenandoah district could get very interesting. If you're telling me Riverheads and Buffalo gap are the, are just going to run away as the two top teams. I, I, it just would surprise me. I'd never seen. I, I'm I'm a Riverheads guy. I've never just seen Riverheads just, and Gap dominate that district. And it's just hard for me to think Stanton's not going to have something to say about it. I've seen Draft make a run too many times, and, and that's my just initial thoughts. Well, you're right about Stanton. They made a run in the district tournament last year, but I don't know, Leland. I just it seems like this year the teams just aren't quite what we're used to seeing in the Shandoa district, and so. I think East Rock not being in that district is, that a, hurts. is a big, big missing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, East Rock's really, really good, but yeah, I, I don't know if, and I'm not trying to take shots at anybody in class two, but I, I don't think uh, Riverheads has a chance to go deep in, in class one, yeah. but I don't think any of these teams in class two really are going to be making a whole lot of noise, especially when you run into, you know, a team like East Rock. I, I think their best hope is that they can pick off that yeah. whoever comes second in that bull run, but central, with central leaving, I mean, that helps, but I don't know. I I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to the bull run district in basketball, but I know East rock is really good. And I, no one in this district is going to touch East rock. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really a race for that second spot and hope that's how you punch your ticket to a state tournament. And I, I just don't know if I see that yet from any of these teams. It'll be interesting to see some of these teams play each other and see if we can get convinced of that. I, you know, Stanton, I have faith. I, I mean, I grew up in Stanton, so I, I've just seen Stanton be good for all of my life. You know, there's never been a time they've just been bad. So I just gonna, I'm not gonna believe that they're just not gonna have something to say there. Um, but if 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 Southern, South, and West Augusta County wants to dominate the Shenandoah District, I'll be happy about it. But uh, it'll be a first time seeing that I think in my lifetime. So uh, that that would be interesting. Um, let's move on to NCAA basketball because. Mm. Virginia Tech and UVA, well, at least one of those teams played basketball the other day. Virginia Tech had the worst offensive performance they've had since 1967. So it wasn't exactly the best day to have that poor offensive outing. And sure, UVA causes that with their good defense. They have the number one defense in the nation. It showed. It, I mean, it showed. But we also didn't shoot well at all. And and this was a team I said last week, and we can pull up recording and mm-hmm. put it on the beginning of the episode here. I thought we wouldn't get blown out in this game because I thought UVA can't score very well. If we're making any kind of shots, we'll be right there with them. And worst case scenario, we lose within 10. That wasn't the case. We get rocked. Yeah, I mean, you and I have both said this about Virginia Tech. When when they're shooting the three and it's going in, they can hang with anybody in the country. We saw it against Michigan State. But when they're not, this is a team that struggles. and They don't have the height still. And... And we missed some open shots against UVA, which I think is the most troubling part of that. Um, I didn't watch much of the second half because by halftime I could get a pretty good grasp on what was going to transpire in the rest of that game, and I didn't need to torture myself with that. So 
to me, it's it's tempered expectations a little bit, maybe, because we got blown out. But then I look and I'm like, okay, we lost to Duke and UVA, who were by far the two best teams in the conference. So yeah, that's a, really am I really point. am I really thinking that now Virginia Tech is going to be some cellar dweller in the ACC? No. We play at Syracuse. That's going to be a big game. Yep. And then you play NC State. And I think if you split those, I feel pretty good, as long as you don't get <laughs> trashed at Syracuse. I... Yeah, that's probably that's probably you're not gonna. It's that's hard to win on the road. But like they're yeah. both winnable. They're both winnable, but it's hard to win on the road in the ACC, especially someplace like Syracuse. So I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, putting my TV on the campus of Robert Morris if they lose that game. <laughs> I'd rather be I'd rather play at Syracuse on a Tuesday night than on a Saturday when everybody could be all lubed up and ready for that game. Um, so yeah, winnable games for tech this week, but not expected wins necessarily in both of them. So it'll be an interesting week for the Hokies, how they rebound, even with the loss and our, you know, our text conversation with, uh, Ron, he was highlighting how he likes coach Yon. and, and, and honestly, in those kind of conversations, I probably, I really do listen to what he has to say in those conversations because he's, he's played basketball at a, at a decent level. He's played college sports and played baseball. I think he he's coached in the high school level. So he, he knows that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to hear him say that. I like that. He's still big on coach Jan. Um, I, I like him too. I think that's why I, I think I give ourselves a bit of the doubt because it just Mike Yon has exceeded expectations since the day he got there by recruiting, by the way we came out this season, beating Michigan state earlier. So I just don't think, I'm just not expecting the worst, like you said, but I even, I'm not even expecting mediocre. I'm expecting better than we kind of think is going to happen. So that's why I think it's possible we come out with two wins this week. UVA has Boston college and Syracuse. They'll roll those games. JMU lost two of three this past week and it's prove it time for these guys. We'll talk about them more coming up, but Delaware and Drexel, you, I mean, talk about needing a split. They need a split from that to really have anything no, positive going those forward. Those are two home games. If you're going to be the fourth best team in the conference, you need to win both. But they're they not to going win, to. They're not going to. They're not going yeah. to. They'll be lucky nope. if they win one. This team's bad. Hey, yeah. Lewis Rowe, you're not a good coach. JMU, Coach Bourne somehow crushes it on a lot of these hires with athletics. Uh, but ba- men's basketball, that program has been to one tournament since I've been in high school. So, and that was by accident. Because two of the <laughs> two of the better teams in the conference couldn't compete in the CAA tournament because they were declared academically ineligible <laughs> before the conference <laughs> tournament, so you kind of got a bailout. And of course, yeah. that was the worst thing that happened because then Matt Brady got to have more years as head coach, and he stunk too. Yeah, that was that was it was bad for the program to make the tournament. You don't often say that from these one bid conferences, but it was bad for JMU because it kept Brady here longer. Um, all right, let's jump to football. Uh, I, I'll take a beating. Anybody who wants to text me, everybody was nice to me after Virginia Tech uh, lost to Kentucky. I had talked a little crap about UVA and their bowl game and how everybody seemed really happy with the loss, and we can get to that in a second. But no one's really talked trash to me about Virginia Tech losing. Um, I've talked enough myself, I think, has been part of it. I think anybody that would have had ears could hear me talking crap. I mean, that was the, what I said before the game. There was nothing to gain. We win that game. It's okay. Let's go to the, you know, now we're into the next, into the off season. We lose that game. It's embarrassing. And it was, and we made so many stupid mistakes in that game. Mm-hmm. Sure. There was some official calls I didn't like, but that's part of the game. 
if you think that play needs to be reviewed and stop the game, I'm not going to argue with you. But we didn't get it done. And that was the second straight game with a running quarterback that Bud Foster and his defense didn't get it done. I'm not happy to see Bud go, but I'm ready for a fresh approach against some of these running quarterbacks because it has seemed to be our Achilles heel these last couple of years. And, and we proved that we just weren't that good a football team this year. And eight and four was absolutely the max that we could get out of this team. And that is, that's not where I wanted to really be. That's not where I thought we were after two straight shutouts in November, um, two shutout wins. So my expectations step up a notch and uh, we'll go. I mean, I, I just wasn't happy with that loss. Yeah. So full disclosure, um, I was at a Virginia tech bar in Maryland watching this game and there may or may not have been free, uh, shots. Yeah. Free shots of, you know, cream soda, soda, we'll call it for every Virginia tech touchdown. So it got a little hazy there at one point in the game. I wish you could have had another shot or two, man. I, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, me too. But it may have been a little hazy there at one point in the game because there was also two cream, uh, you know, two cream sodas, uh, on top of that, that I had as well, uh, you know, for, yeah, <laughs> to just watch Virginia tech football. I figured I might yeah, need it. Mixing alcohol and, I actually have a story of my own. We're not going to share it, but yeah, mixing Virginia tech football and, uh, cream sodas, not always the best decision. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it, it was just, it was frustrating to see us have to settle for so many field goals when you knew yeah. that was going to come back and kill you. And felt like Notre Dame so bad. Well, and so there's a friendly enough gentleman standing next to me at the place where we watched this game. And Kentucky has the ball at like the 20 yard line or something. There's like a minute 20 or minute and a half left, something like that. And he's sitting there going, why aren't we using our timeouts? I'm like, bro, <laughs> we either keep them out of the end zone or we lose. They could score right now and no time go off the clock. We could have the VHSL clock operator there and the clock not work and get all the time possible. And it's still not enough time. Like, this is it. Your defense needs to make a stop. And we did not And so then we lose. It's frustrating. The offense puts up 30 points. That kind of needs to be enough in that situation to get the win. It wasn't. Um and it's not good. I hated it. I, I hated losing that game because I still don't think Kentucky's good. No, now, no I just not. think the quarterback couldn't throw the ball. Yeah, I just think we're not good now. He and one pass, and it was the winning touchdown. Like, and I don't know what happens next year. I I want to say that this team is young; they're going to get better. But I don't know. McLeese declares for the NFL draft because. Uh, who knows? He's not going to get drafted. I, it reminds me of Evans. He's Evans not going to get drafted. early and didn't get drafted. And I think McLeese is just hoping to be a sixth or seventh rounder. I I, I don't get that. There better be another story there because I if it, if someone is honestly telling him, yeah, you should go pro, he's getting bad advice and he needs to cut that out of his life because that is a disaster and a half of a recommendation. Yeah, I don't. I wasn't pumped to hear that news for his own sake more than anything. It's not, I actually don't think we've got a transfer in at running back or whatever. It doesn't matter. We're playing Dalton Keenan running back anyway. So who cares? But (laughs) I mean, I don't care though. I'm to the point, Joe, where you fully converted me from, you know, defending Fuente like I did. It's 10 wins or I'm ready for him to get out of the way. If you can't give me 10 wins next year, I don't, I, I I want somebody to give me 10 wins. And if you want to tell me on Twitter that I'm a bad fan, because I expect more out of this coaching staff and what we're doing. I, I wasn't saying fire him after this Kentucky game. I'm not there. I'm not that 
I'm not a bad fan in that way, but I'm saying next year, everybody keeps saying we're young. We're still on the right track. After losing that game, Fuente sits there and says, well, we're still you know, moving in the direction I want to move. Well, moving in the direction we want to move is winning 10 games next year. And if you can't do that next year, then get out. And if yeah. you think that's too high expectation, Frank Beamer did it in Blacksburg. You can't use these excuses. Well, it's Blacksburg. It's hard to get these kids. No, it's if you really can't not, do yeah. it, I saw it done for 15 years from Frank Beamer during the good stretch there where 10 wins was the norm and anything less than that was weird. You can do it. And if you can't get out and let's get somebody in there that can. Frank Beamer also did it when Miami was actually pretty good at football. So yes, there is no one in that coastal that is good at football. And we were playing West Virginia every year who was pretty decent at football. Yeah. Had a good program. <laughs> we're not playing and anybody good at football right now, except for non-conference. We we're playing Penn State. Penn State's going to totally mollywop us. We're going to get smashed. Well, I'm allowing us to lose to Penn State and then one ACC game, and I won't be happy about it at the time. That's all I'm allowing us to lose. Do we play Clemson? Because otherwise, no. I'm scared of who that one's no, going to be. I went through our schedule, and if, if we're as good as we think we should be, we and Fuente says we're on the right path, that's what the answer is. I just don't think he's good. And, like, I know we had that funny moment in the post game of the bowl game where the, the reporter's like, you know, sorry for your loss. And he's like, well, nobody died. I'm like, well, give it time. You'll kill this program. Like, you're not good. I mean, I get his point there, and I'm not even arguing it. I, like, I get like it isn't life or death, and it isn't it isn't that dire. But you keep talking about being on this right track, and somehow that Duke whooping fit right into this narrative. I don't understand that. That should be more of a negative in his yeah, mind. Yeah, I mean, I guess the right track is that it finally proved to him what everybody else had been saying, that Ryan Willis isn't the starting quarterback at Virginia Tech. That's the only good I, thing that came out of it. What a hero yeah. he was, by the way. I didn't get any uh, my Twitter updates about how Ryan Willis was patting everyone on the back after the loss and being a great hero, but... I, I'm just ready for... I'm ready for meeting expectations because I just we're not we haven't met him and, and I've been now saying it's this all his players yeah I've Beamer's been saying this people. so I'm glad you're there because now I you know I was getting tired of having that debate with you but so I'm glad you're there but uh, you know and to your point we see people putting up stuff saying you know all these people saying Justin Fuente is not doing good enough well he's doing the same thing Frank Beamer did at the end and I'm like yeah well that wasn't it good it enough wasn't good enough yeah that was the problem it wasn't good enough like three years I I remember a. Six I worked for a company six, and the owner and of it. It was a Virginia Tech grad and a big-time donor, big-time donor. Mm -hmm. And three years before Beamer was gone, he was like, I'm done with him. You know, I remember coming to the office just being done with him. And I think we won nine or ten games that year. Like, we had a decent year, but he was done with him then because you could see what was happening. And it wasn't good enough. You can't compare these four years to the four years previous because those weren't good enough. You got to compare these four. You got to start comparing to when we were good. You can't compare to when we were crap. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. We look at all these Virginia Tech, you know, fan Twitter things that put out all these, you know, great moments in Virginia Tech history or highlights that they're from the mid two thousands. And I'm like, there's no reason we can't get back there. Yes, look at the ACC. Clemson's walking over everybody. Everybody else that used Clemson to be us wants us to be good. Clemson wants us 
to win 10 games next year. They want somebody to come out of the Coastal right. to win 10 games. So that way they look like they have a better schedule and they can get a two seed or a one seed in this college football playoff when they spank whoever is 10 and two or 11 and one from the other side. But instead they get eight and four or nine and three and they can't. I well, mean, in a bad eight and help. four or nine and three. I mean, that's the thing. It's not even good eight and four, nine and three. Here's the, and I two say, FCS teams. I two said, FCS wins, eight wins. Right. Yeah. I said that we are, we used to be Clemson, but that's not fair to Clemson because Clemson wins their non-district games too, or non-conference games. We didn't do that, but um, it, it's I'm frustrating. Just, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I'm as jealous as can be as Clemson. I continue to say that, and uh, that's why it's hard for me to root for them because I want to be them, and we're not close to that. All right, jumping over to UVA, uh, they won, or they they won. See, everybody was so happy about their bowl <laughs> loss that it makes me think that they won. Feels like game. a win, doesn't I it? Just, yeah. Let, let me like frame this better because I know Jeff Wright interacted with me and I don't I don't think I ever conveyed my point. I didn't see it. I know you 120 characters or whatever Twitter yeah. Twitter allows. I'm not saying you shouldn't be satisfied or, or have some OK feeling that you lost that game by eight points to Florida. I, I get that approach. I'm not saying you're wrong to have that. But no one talked about, well, if we did this, we win that game or this happens, we win that game. It's all just warm and fuzzy. We only lost by eight. And I do appreciate that even though my fan base for Virginia Tech can go off the deep end after a loss, no matter what the number is, I still know that winning is the expectation from my fandom for a team that has played in a national championship, for a team that has put finalist in the Heisman, for teams that have gone and won the ACC multiple times and, and win to the ACC championship multiple times. I'm more just saying, I'm not saying UVA is wrong to feel that way. I'm just like that my fan base does expect to win. And even when we get beat by Clemson and we hang around, I still had the conversations with my friends with, man, that goes right. We win that. Or we, we had to get that stop right there. We didn't get it. That was not happening after the UVA game. Everybody was happy as could be with that loss. And it just kind of was like, that's, that's where these two teams are. These two, two programs are still in different places. UVA won this year. Sure. They look in a very more positive direction than we do. Honestly, they do. But we are still the more established at winning. Even though we've had eight years of not the greatest, the mindset of the fan base is just still two different things. You're talking about a fan base that was has really struggled to get their team to win enough games to be competitive. And then Virginia Tech, when we equal those amount of wins, we're mad and we want, you know, Beam or Hurt, our longtime coach, to get out of there or Fuente's not living up to the standard. You know, that's the difference between these pro programs. So that's me clarifying what I thought at the time. Then the next day, I didn't care about UV anymore because I was worried about how bad we suck. Yeah, and the only thing I was trying to convey to you during our text conversation that we were having about it was in the eyes of UVA fans, they were within a score of a top 10 football team in the country. And if I was UVA, I'd be ecstatic. If I was Virginia Tech, I'd be ecstatic this year. If if we were within eight points of a top 10 team in the country, I'd be shocked. Because I we don't still think would have talked about what we could have done to win that game. Maybe we still would have had that this conversation. Maybe, but this is a program conversation on Twitter. Okay, but this is a program that's not used to the success. We th- this is a program that's never that's won the ACC outright. You're reinforcing what my the point I was trying. Okay, to well then they have different expectations, and that's fine. They don't need to have the same expectations as us. They won the Coastal for the first time in their school's history this year. I guess it gets back to they beat us one time in 15 years, and then all of a sudden they act like they're just a mile past us. 
Well, they're they not a mile headed, past us. They might be us, headed but, on a better, yeah. straighter road to a mile past us, but they're not a mile past us. And I did see one comment, and I don't know if it was Jeff or somebody else, that said, well, I'd feel a lot better if I was UVA, a UVA fan than a Virginia Tech fan. I wouldn't feel that way because gonna, who's going to run your offense? Yeah, we're going to beat them next year. And then Bryce Perkins is gone. I don't, I didn't see anyone else on that football team that looked like they had talent. So I'm not scared I'll, of UVA. I'll football. give Perkins all the credit in the world. They don't have them next year. So I'm very confident today about next November. Now, that being we'll said, see, Justin we'll Fuente might bench all of our again. talent or chase it off in the transfer portal. So <laughs> let me see what <laughs> yes. happens when the season starts. But let's, let's right close now, that magic portal. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> now, I feel better about Virginia Tech than I do UVA next year. I agree. All right, let's talk. We'll, we'll skim past JMU. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about it in the next segment. But, Joe, give me your prediction. I don't think we win. I do think North Dakota State wins. I think it's close. It might be so close that it's frustrating. Like the last time we played them two years ago. And two years ago, I actually felt like JMU kind of got jobbed a little bit because there were some Those calls that really, no really hurt them. For us. Um, but... I think North Dakota State wins this game. I'm going to say by, I'll say by seven. I think it's close, but I think JMU comes up short. I, I'm sorry. I just don't see it out of JMU's offense consistently enough. And North Dakota State's really good. I know JMU's defense is good, but I think North Dakota State's offense is really good too. And I think their offense is going to be just a little bit better than that defense when they need to be. And our offense is going to turn the ball over too much. What's that kicker's name? Rad Radaski or whatever? Radke. Radke. He's, He's the player good. of the game. JMU wins by two. Field goal to win it. Well, color me shocked. He kicks Speaking a bunch of, of field goals, that 54-yarder that Virginia Tech's kicker made, I almost fell off my stool yeah. at the bar. I, I was like, holy yeah. crap. Yeah, when we lined up to <laughs> kick it, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I know he made it. All right. So we'll talk more about JMU in the next segment, so stick with us. But we also have a different uh, national championship game happening that yeah. should be being played right now. In all honesty, I don't see why they're not playing well, right not. now on our TV. Clemson LSU plays. I'm excited about the game. I think they set things up so Clemson wouldn't play the SEC team in the in the playoff first round. They You could see it weeks before the playoff rankings became final. They were playing in that way. Clemson earned it. They get into this championship game. Now they play the SEC team, LSU. I'm excited about the matchup. I know people are tired, already getting tired of Clemson. I'm probably one of them, but I'm still excited about this game because I think it's a good matchup. Yeah, no, this is college football. This is the South. Uh, this is LSU versus Clemson. This is, honestly, I think the two best coaches in college football right now. It's the two coaches you want to have post-game interviews with. Maybe, well, maybe not the two best. <laughs> Nick Saban's really good. So, But two yeah, of the top right. three uh, coaches in <laughs> college Orgeron football right now. But and Dabo, oh, I those love are the guys that are going to give you the best sound clips after I know. that game. And I love them. I, I, like, I know you don't like Dabo Orgeron. Sweeney. I love Dabo Sweeney. Um, I, I, I do think... The words are on. Just hearing them talk. So good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my brother and I watched this <laughs> little clip, and I think I showed it to you maybe of... It's apparently from Samurai Jack. I've never seen it, but I had two uncles tell me that's what it's from. This, uh, after we watched the LSU beat the bejesus out of Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, but um, of this like pig in a tank and it's just speaking gibberish. <laughs> and the only thing you understand at the very end is just like, I kill you. <laughs> but it, and it, the Twitter, I always see it on Twitter after an LSU game, and it always, the caption is always like, Ed Orgeron, 
<laughs> post game and it's i mean it's hilarious but he's a he seems to be a really great guy those kids seem yeah. to love to play for him yeah. uh and i'm excited I, I to see joe burrow play clemson and uh, look i think i like lsu to win this game i hope clemson wins but i think i like lsu if i'm gonna pick it i don't think it's gonna be like the lsu oklahoma game uh but no. uh you know i, I i'm excited I, yeah the only thing I don't like is when Dabo says, you know, nobody respects us. Nobody believes us. I'm like, okay, like that, that's, and you're hitting on why I'm getting tired of him when he says, that's the only like that. thing I don't like, but then everything else, I think he's a great guy. Well, he's he always a on great these guy. He's a good football coach. Well, he's he also a good football coach. He wins like. games, but I'm saying it's hard for me to root against him because one, he's good at his job. And two, I always see him on these like ESPN, you know, make a wish or whatever yeah. segments that they do. And he seems like a really good I'll guy. To that point, I love the Make-A-Wish stuff and the stuff they do on ESPN all the time. I, I like it. I expect that out of these millionaires and out of these high-profile guys. I, I I guess not to be negative, I just, I'm mad at the guys that aren't doing it. So, like, the guys that do do that stuff, it it does seem like a lot of them do it. So, I'm, I put guys on a pedestal less for that. I'm glad they do it. I think they should do it given their, um, you know, they're in a good spot. <laughs> they they have a lot of advantages, so they should be doing stuff like that. So I just don't hold people because that's the first thing they say about Cam Newton at Carolina. Well, he does so much for the community. Well, he's a starting quarterback. Like he he should be doing that stuff. He should be going to the hospitals. He should be doing that. Jason Garrett. That's what the picture I keep saying down in Dallas. Well, he goes to the hospital. That's great. He should be. You know, he should use his spare time that way to to really uplift those kids. So. I, I just. I guess what I'm saying is I don't see much. that from Nick Saban. <laughs> I, I bet that. you Nick Saban helps a lot of people down there. I, I he I, might, and I'm not saying I, he does it. I'm just I'll saying I don't see articles, it. But I bet you it happens. And and honestly, it probably <laughs> these people that do it a little bit lower key probably I'm a little. Well, they're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. So um, so then going back to Dabo though, that's the only things I don't like about him is the coach speak that I don't mm-hmm. that is bullcrap. And that I'm extremely jealous of what they're doing there. That's the why. That's that's my hatred of Jay. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm not saying anything. It's jealousy is leading the charge against me not liking Clemson and Davis Winnie. I just wish we were them. I wish it was orange and maroon instead of orange and purple. Yeah, which is a weird color for Clemson, but um, yeah, I agree. Um, it's just, I don't know. I always have a hard time when I see Dabo Sweeney on those Make-A-Wish things. You know, I get real emotional. It's hard It's hard to read yeah, against that guy. Good. It's hard those to read good. against that guy. I have no guy. argument with that. It, just... So who you got? What's your What's your score? I already said LSU. Oh, um, God. I'm going to say 14. I 14? Hope. I hope. I, I mean, uh, I know I just said they're not going to do what they did to Oklahoma, and it won't be that bad, but I could see it getting out of hand before the fourth quarter. I think I'm just I'm putting my guess with my heart, and I just want it to be like within four point. You know, I just want I it really to be a hope really a close field goal kind of game. I hope it's like the NFL games this weekend. Yes. So getting to those, every game was good. There was not mm-hmm. a bad NFL game this weekend. Um, I actually got to see a lot of them. I was working around the house mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, we have a nice pantry and a happy wife. So it was great starting Saturday at four, which I picked up a little bit late there uh, because we had a had a little league basketball game that just could not wait any longer. We had to take care of it. But then I picked up the bills game. It was crazy. Awesome. 
we had the other good games. Oh, the Patriots that night, they go down. That was great. The And then the Saturday, the Sunday games, both of them were just solid. And and all these games were, with under a minute to go, were all one-score games. I know uh, Texans or uh, Tennessee pick-sixed it and extended the score there, but everything was close. It was awesome. And I, it, the NFL can't ask for anything more. And I watched more NFL in those two days than I watched all season, I think. Yeah. Um, I watched the let's see i watched the second half of houston buffalo which was nuts intently uh the first half i was in and out uh, we were at a restaurant um but the second half i watched intently and then i watched the entire uh patriots titans game for the most part i think i missed the third quarter because i was that traveling. was the most satisfying patriots game i think i've watched in a long time because so often i'm watching my steelers play them in that kind of spot mm-hmm. and they just do nothing and so that was the most satisfying game involving the Patriots I've watched in a long time. I, I thought the interesting thing there was early on, it seemed like the Titans were going away from what worked. And then they finally realized, huh, this Derrick Henry guy's yeah, doing whatever good. he wants. Maybe we should just keep giving him the ball. Yeah. Um, Tannehill, yeah, the, man, look at that guy. He did not do anything. Do, no, he had 70 yards passing. He has this whole second half of the season. 70 yards passing. He played zero role in them winning that game. They're all. I mean, I thought in Miami he was done. I didn't think I didn't expect anything from him. He goes into Tennessee, gets his shot, and he's completely taken advantage of it. I, I appreciate that. Whether or not he had a great first round playoff game, the only reason they're even sniffing the playoffs, much less in it, is because of what Tannehill did. Mm, I think Derrick Henry probably is a bigger factor. But sure. Funny thing about this NFL football, it is more than one player. Okay, I'm just saying okay. I, I give Derrick Henry more credit than I give Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill's okay. a game manager. But, yeah, the defense for Tennessee did what they needed to do, which was good. Uh, that goal line stand that they got against New England mm-hmm. was How about the really too? something else. Yeah, the punter did good. Um, <laughs> I loved watching Mike Vrabel uh, yes. run the clock off on Bill yes. Belichick, something that he's done before, which was hilarious that he was getting so upset was about standing, it. Staring across the field at Belichick while he was doing it. Yeah. Too. He's it was, like, felt no. so good. Well, and then when they jumped off sides too, to help them run even more time Freshen off the clock, up, yeah. which was, Oh, so brilliant. Yeah. He should have gotten two more penalties just for fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Then the bills Texans game was just, Oh my God. I, he pitched it. Oh, my goodness. When he pitched it. Yeah, I was thinking I was like, oh, OK. And, and, you know, I'm texting my brother who's not with me when I'm watching the game. And I'm like, this feels if you've ever seen the South Park episode where they're playing Little League Baseball and the kids are all trying to lose so they can enjoy the rest of their summer and not have to play baseball. I was like, this kind of feels like that. Like both of these teams here in the fourth quarter are trying to lose like Bill O'Brien instead of kicking a field goal to make it a six point game in the fourth quarter and force the bills to have to score a touchdown Go goes for it, it and doesn't yeah. make it. And I was like, well, of yeah. course you stupid idiot. Like this offense is allergic to first downs. Why, why uh, make it impossible for them to tie it with a field goal if they get lucky on one play? So, yeah, it, it was crazy when he pitched it. One of the first things I could think of was if we were covering our high school game, which we do on Friday nights on ESPN, 1240 is we would yeah. completely, not tear apart the kid, but talk about how poor a decision that was. 
and how lucky that team was that that ball didn't get turned over. You know, at a high school level, also, we would have driven that home. And then here is a pro doing it in a playoff game. Also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was my understanding if an offensive player intentionally knocks the ball out of bounds, that's supposed to be a penalty. Um, now, there was I'll, no flag thrown I'll in this game, but that was my understanding and the understanding people I was watching the game with. So I don't know. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. So that sets up in the AFC Ravens, Titans, Saturday night and Chiefs, Texans, 3 p.m. on Sunday. Obviously, you got your Ravens. I'm cheering for the Chiefs. I think they'll be interesting games, though. The Texans beat the Chiefs at the Chiefs earlier this season. I know it's playoffs now, but man, Watson is good and Watson seems to make things happen. Yeah, I'd love it. It'll be interesting there. I'd be surprised if the Titans hang quite as close. I think the Ravens probably do. If, if I had to pick a blowout this weekend, that's that's the that's the one I'm picking. Mm, maybe I, I've got another potential one, but yeah, trying to jinx you. I'm trying to jinx you at the same time here. I did. All right. I did oh. say to somebody who was like, oh, I don't know if I'd be as pumped about the Titans. I'd rather play the Texans than the Titans. And I was like, eh, Derrick Henry's not running for 178 yards on us. So Ryan Tannehill's going to have to throw a touchdown pass to beat us. And I don't think he can. So I'm not overtly worried about that game. So I hope he runs for 100 yards in the first quarter and Tannehill throws two touchdowns in the first quarter against you. All right, moving over to the NFC, uh, the 49ers and Vikings play because the Vikings beat the Saints, who I I guess the Saints are cursed. That's all I'm to. Nothing can go their way. And they just it's not necessarily that they find the way to lose every time, but the loss finds them every time. And that's a game that they really should have just come out and won just it shouldn't have been close to the end so that's why i don't feel that sorry for them i feel like in these other losses i think the rams were a pretty good team i think the vikings were better a couple years ago plus it was at the vikings where that happened this was at home they were a much better team they were the team that i thought of all the teams playing Mm -hmm. this weekend could win the championship so i don't feel as sorry for them this time but rudolph pushes off and the vikings get the win due to and these and we saw multiple overtime games this weekend i I just think both teams need to get the ball in overtime. Maybe they don't need yeah. to get it equal amount of times. No, but they do. Both teams need to possess the football. And I think once both teams possess the football, if you're tied, then go next score wins. You give it. So that team has had a chance to score and go for two in the win if they need to. That You know the rules. I mm-hmm. think I think just let both teams have the ball. It doesn't matter if you score a touchdown first or a field goal on your first on the team that has the first possession. I think just let both teams have the ball and let them figure it out from there. And then after two, after both teams has possession, whoever scores first wins. Yeah, I I've covered a lot there. I, I agree. About pushing off and I fixed the overtime all in one strain of sentences. I think it should be like the college overtime. Personally, you just back it up yeah. further. But um, you got to be out of field goal range for I think for the NFL. I think to do that, that's fine. Put it at the fifty. Um, all right. But uh, I, I agree. I thought Kyle Rudolph pushed off. I thought it was weird that the NFL didn't look at the offensive pass interference. Um, look at it and then say no or something. You know, yeah, at least give that time. I thought that was weird. Uh, but the Vikings win. Uh, Kirk Cousins gets his first ever playoff win. Good for him. Oh, but yeah, good for him. this is the other game that I think is going to be a blowout. I think the 49ers will absolutely wreck that joker of a franchise in the Minnesota Vikings. They Could are, be. They I, think the, I think the NFL thinks the so. They're putting that at four thirty on Saturday. Yeah. That's the the least rating time. So I think they are I think not the NFL touching the Niners. 
The other game, Packers-Seahawks play next week. That's the latest game on Sunday. That's because the Seahawks beat the Eagles. Wentz gets hurt again. This time it's a head injury, so I, I do think it's a little different than Wentz always getting hurt. I don't think that's the fair comment there. And you got to give credit to McNown coming in there and giving it everything he has. But the Seahawks are pretty good, and they have a lot of talent on that side. And honestly... I think for after watching them make big plays and have their moments where they were good in that game, I, I'm surprised they didn't win by more. I think that's credit to the Eagles, too, for sitting there and fighting. But I do think the Packers take care of them this week. I, I do think that. I, I, I'm also not huge on Russell Wilson. I, I'm just not. For some reason, I didn't like him at NC State, and I think I just hold on to that. That's interesting. I like Russell Wilson. I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Green Bay. Um, the Steeler, I'd love him. I don't think that much. <laughs> but I think I, I was glad to see him beat Philly because for me, Philly and New England were the two teams I didn't want to see in the Super Bowl. So now that they're out, I can. I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for the Ravens, but it, no one that is still alive am I going to watch and be like, oh my gosh, I can't stand this team. So, yeah. Um, I feel pretty good about that. I, I think Seattle's got a puncher's chance against Green Bay. We'll see. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs has been iffy. So, yeah, would I be surprised if Seattle figured it out and got a way to win up there? No. But uh, I think you're going to see ones and twos win this week. I think you're going to see ones and twos in the conference championship if I'm picking these games. But I think I, I, I agree. I think I got I all the games wrong last week. So, yeah. I agree with the ones and twos. I'm taking the same. And I think we both said who we think, which the biggest blowouts are. So it'll be interesting to see what we get. The Cowboys, they got to hiring Mike McCarthy, the Packers old football coach. Weird. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm surprised. I I thought he kind of got run out of Green Bay. I thought there was a lot of rift between him and Aaron Rodgers. I think there was pretty blatant stuff about he was holding him back. I don't, I don't know how he goes into Dallas and fixes everything. So I think just more drama in Dallas is what we're in for. Uh, yeah, I think Mike McCarthy got hired because Mike McCarthy can be controlled. I think that's why Jerry hired him. I just was surprised they didn't go with a bigger splash. And that, you know, out of the Redskins in Dallas, I, I thought, I both, thought both happen. teams would have gone for a bigger splash and neither did. And uh, so it'll be interesting. It's, it's familiar faces, guys that we are, are pretty – you know, they're, they're not, they're not full of spark. You know, I, I know you see the locker room speeches from Rivera and he has some spark in him, but I, I just, it, it's interesting. I think I was expecting some, some, some splash out of one of these two. Uh, I think, I think Dallas is going to be hiring a new coach in three years is where I really get to. I was going to say, I think Ron Rivera has a, and this might surprise people. I think Ron Rivera has a better chance to succeed in Washington than Mike McCarthy does in Dallas. I think Ron Rivera is a better coach compared to expectations. I agree. I think he's a better coach. I just don't think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. I think I agree with that. So that's what we have there. And uh, let's get out of here. Let's get to TJ Eck and let's talk about JMU in this national championship. All right, next on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have TJ Eck from WHSV, everybody's favorite local sportscaster on TV3. Uh, TJ, thanks for coming on with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. So a big week for the Dukes, but I mean, and we'll, and we'll get to them, but a big week for you. I mean, you get to travel down to uh, Frisco, cover JMU as they try to win the national championship. 
talk about, you know, some of the, the circus that's going on in your life right now. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you get back from vacation and immediately you jump right back into things um, after I had some time off for the holidays. But yeah, it's been it's been a busy week trying to just, you know, get our stuff together, the video we need, the gear we need, make sure our, we're checked into our flights, make sure that everything's good with the hotel reservation in Frisco um, and uh, and just get the interviews because we're doing a bunch of interviews with the team up here and stuff like that um, before we go down to help alleviate some of the stress while we're in Frisco, which is going to be busy in its own right for the few days we're there. So, yeah, it's a busy week just trying to be prepared um, because if you go down there unprepared, you're not going to do well. So that's always been one of my things is make sure we're prepared and ready to go and then everything could be smooth when we're in Texas. So when do you leave to get down there? Uh, so we're flying down. Kyle Rogers, our main evening anchor, and I are going down, and he will. Uh, we'll we'll both fly down Wednesday afternoon. We'll get into uh, Dallas around um, Wednesday evening, around five thirty or six thirty. I can't remember. Got to keep the the time zone straight there. I can't remember exactly <laughs> which is going to be, but we'll get into Dallas uh, Wednesday night. Um, take it easy Wednesday night. Maybe do a quick little report saying, "Hey, we're here. Here's what to expect over the next few days." And then Thursday, we kind of hit the ground running for a few days. And so were you, you were there two years ago when they got to go, didn't you? Actually, no, I was not. Uh, that was so kind of right after. I was here. Yeah. So I, I, I started working here about three or four weeks after they yeah. had the national <laughs> championship. I actually remember watching it in uh, the sports office of the station I worked in in Lincoln, Nebraska. I remember watching the game there. So uh, I remember watching the game, but this will be the first one where I've worked in Frisco. Awesome. Well, TJ... Look, as a JMU alum and following the team, it's Kirk Signetti's first year, but I know a lot of fans of JMU were disappointed with the early exit last year and felt like last year they should have been competing for a national championship, and now they're back in this national championship game. Um, talking with the team and Coach Signetti, is this kind of where they expected to be, or is there a little bit of surprise that they've managed to get back here in Signetti's first season? I think this is where they expect it to be. Um, even talking to the players and the teams at the beginning of the season, the, the players and coaches at the beginning of the season, they knew this was a special group. They knew this was a team that had a chance to get to Frisco. Obviously, you know, you got to stay healthy. You got to win the big games. And you never knew with a new coaching staff coming in. But, I mean, this this the roster is loaded. They brought back almost every starter from last year's team. Obviously, they lost Jimmy Moreland, who turned into a pretty good player. And he's obviously yeah. in the NFL now with the Redskins. But they knew they had a good enough team to get back there. And I mean, a lot of people thought that too. I mean, there was some, uh, I believe it was Hero Sports, is, which is a publication that covers mm -hmm. the FCS mm -hmm. level. And they had JMU as number one in their preseason poll over North Dakota State, which caused a little bit of a controversy up in Fargo, as you can imagine, with what the Bison have been able to do here, obviously, in the last seven or eight years. So there was a lot of expectation that they could get here. Obviously, they've won 14 in a row, but having been at most of those games, Hasn't been as easy as it looks and sounds, but this was a team that knew that they were good enough to get back to Frisco. So you mentioned the 14 straight and not looking great all of those games. Some of the playoff games I've seen, I've actually been a little concerned what happens if you get to a North Dakota State and now they're going to get there. North Dakota State, you know, kind of the dynasty of FCS. JMU has had a lot of success recently, and this might surprise a lot of our listeners, but I'm not feeling great about this matchup. Um, how do you see it playing out between JMU and North Dakota State? Yeah, I mean, it's to be honestly, if, if I was a JMU fan, I'm not. I, I hope they do well, but I'm not a fan. So <laughs> if I if I was a fan, um, I would say that I feel pretty good about it. And I, okay. I get why you might not feel great about it, because it's North Dakota State. This is the Patriots. This is Alabama. Like this is 
the dynasty of FCS football and their dynasty might be the most impressive of anyone. I mean, this, the closest thing you might equate this to is maybe UConn women's basketball there for a little while where they're, they've been the best program by far. And so that's why I could see you being a little nervous. But when I look at these two teams, to me, these two teams are so much better than everyone else at this level. And I think they're very evenly matched. I think JMU's got a great shot to win. I don't think there's really a clear-cut favorite between these two teams. I think this is the game that's kind of been leading to all season. I think this is the game that a lot of fans have been looking forward to seeing. You know, JMU fans were hopeful that JMU got to Frisco, and I think they were also hopeful that it would be North Dakota State they were going up against because I think they feel like they owe them one from the 2017 National Championship game. But I, I think JMU's got a great shot to win this game. I think I think they're a good team. I think they're just as good, if not better, than North Dakota State. It's just they haven't won seven of the last eight like the Bison have, and that's why I, I can understand why some people are a little reserved about this game. I want to ask you uh, with the team, and, and this is probably more of a season overall question, but you were there last year with Coach Houston, and now Coach Signetti's there. Talk about some of the differences and what you see, and even if it's just in how your interaction as a media with them, you know, talk about some of the differences you've seen between these two guys leading this football team to where, I mean, uh, he, he had a lot of success before, and now Signetti in his first year having success, they're same results, but just talk about some of the differences between them. Yeah, it's crazy. They're, they're very different in a, in a lot of ways um, in terms of just our media interaction. Um, Kurt, is he, he's very good to us. He gives us a lot of availability. So did Mike Houston. Um, Mike, you know, was, was you know, I don't know. I mean, Kurt, Kurt is very good, but he has a little bit more of that Saban mentality. You can definitely understand that. He tells us, the, like, he answers our questions. He gives us what we need, but he's not going to tell us something that maybe he doesn't want us to know, which is, of course, okay. Mike was great with us with the media as well. Um, very open with us and, and less a lot of practices and stuff like that. So it's been very similar, some differences, but minor when it comes to media interaction. Um, Kurt's been very good with us in terms of media availability. We've been able to talk to this team quite a lot this year. Um, in terms of their coaching styles, their philosophies are very similar. And Signetti will say this, that their philosophies are, are very, very similar um, in terms of strong defense. They want to run the ball. They want to have physical teams. But the way they go about it is a little bit different. Um, Kurt is a much more CEO approach, it feels like, especially on game day. I mean, he doesn't call offensive plays. He doesn't call defensive plays. You watch him on the sideline, it could be the biggest third down of the game or they could be up 59 nothing, and you can't really tell a difference. Now, that doesn't mean Signetti won't get fired up from time to time and get on an official or get on a player. He will. But Mike, it seemed like, was a little bit more fiery and showed a little bit more emotion. Mike also reserved at times as well. But Kurt is just kind of very calm, cool, and collected. And even there's been some games this year where we, we asked him, you know, when they were down at Chattanooga and it was a close game at halftime or – when they were playing Stony Brook and it was back and forth and that game went to overtime and we asked him, you know, was there a time where you got fired up and got into the guys and tried to get them fired up? And it was just kind of like, nope, we tried to stay calm. We want to be okay. Like, and that, that's just kind of how he operates in terms of how they run practices. Very different as well. Signetti's practices are very fast paced, very short, very quick. They like to get work, get done. And, and uh, they, he's put a big emphasis on, keeping these guys healthy and it's really paid off. They get ready for this national championship game and knock on wood here with a few days until the championship game, but they don't really have any major injuries and haven't dealt with a lot of major injuries throughout the season. So I think that's paid off for them. Well, so not a ton of major differences between Mike, Mike and Kurt personalities are a little bit different. Um, but I would say the practices, 
is a, is a big difference and just kind of Kurt's CEO approach and kind of trusting his assistants to run the show. Interesting. Interesting. Well, now taking a look at the town of Harrisonburg or the campus at JMU, you know, I know it's holiday break, so a lot of students are gone, but, you know, talk about some of the hype around town, some of the excitement that you've been seeing um, and just, you know, talk about, you know, how cool that is to see, you know, the people surrounding the program excited about this big game. Yeah. I mean, everyone's, everyone's fired up. Everyone's excited because I mean, you get to this point of the season and there's really, I mean, I believe there's a bowl game once tonight, right now, Monday night as we're recording this, but um, there's really only two college football games left at this point. It's the FCS national championship and the FBS national championship. And obviously everyone's excited to see Clemson play LSU from a national perspective, but in terms of, you know, this is the game, this is a huge game. JMU fans, have a chance to 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 see their team win another national championship, third appearance in the national championship game in the last four years. And, you know, the town has gotten behind it. You've seen Mayor Dina Reed put out a challenge to the mayor of Fargo saying that whichever uh, team wins, the opposing mayor has to wear, or she's challenging them to wear the opposing team's colors. So if, if JMU wins, the mayor of Fargo would wear a jersey from JMU or something like that, but vice versa for her if North Dakota State wins. Um, you've seen a lot of interaction just with fans on Twitter and on Facebook and a lot of JMU gear out there. Not that you don't see it throughout the whole year, but especially now that they're heading to Frisco, and I've talked to a lot of people that live in Harrisonburg or live in Rockingham County or Augusta County, just live in the area, and they are very excited about going to Frisco. There's a lot of people going down to Frisco and JMU is going to need that because trust me, North Dakota state travels well from yeah, what I've heard. They probably bought their tickets I, in August. Yes. From what I've seen. So um, <laughs> I believe North Dakota state fans bought those tickets, whether they were going or not. So um, JMU is going to need a, a good fan support there. And I think they're going to get it. It's in, there's so many watch parties around the country that have been organized. So this is a really exciting time for JMU nation and they're really fired up and they really believe that they can knock off NDSU and win another national title. TJ, I just want to ask you, I know we're talking about football mostly, and I'm going to kind of blindside you with this question maybe a little bit, but when it comes to the hardwood, this is JMU men's basketball is expected to be pretty good this year, and they're really struggling. They're, I mean, bird box challenging from the free throw line, it feels like. You know, (laughs) what is the sentiment around that program right now? I know the football program's having a lot of success, but when you look at the basketball on the men's side, what is the atmosphere there like? It's interesting you bring that up right now because I think it's kind of good in a way that football is still playing in the national championship. It's kind of taken a little attention away from the basketball program because the basketball team this year has just been really hard to figure out because they're loaded with talent. They've got a nice nucleus of, of young guys. Matt Lewis, who's their junior guard, has a chance by the time it's all said and done to be one of the best players in program history here. They've got some other really good guys in the junior class with Darius Banks, Dwight Wilson, Deshaun Parker is a sophomore point guard who's played really well. And they, they've looked at stretches like a great team and possibly the best team in the league at stretches. Then they have their lulls, as, as Lewis Rowe has said, you know, he said in his press conference on Monday that they'll still have lulls within games where they just it, it completely does a 180 and they, they play terrible and they look like the worst team in the, in the league or just, they look like a bad team. And so it's really been hard to figure out. And obviously, you know, fans aren't pleased with with the, where the program is at overall right now. Obviously, JMU and all its programs, I think football leads the charge for this, but you know, you have great programs for softball and lacrosse and women's basketball, and just to name a few, and there's a lot of other great ones, men's soccer. So mm-hmm. 
they expect JMU to be good in everything, especially within the Colonial Athletic Association. And I think that's realistic with how much money JMU invests in its athletics. But it's it's interesting to see this men's basketball team because I can't really get a read on them. And it's still very early in the conference play. They've played four games and they've played probably three of the top four teams in the league to this point in terms of Hofstra, Northeastern and College of Charleston. So maybe the schedule just hasn't done them any favors and they can kind of get on their feet here when they come home with Delaware and Drexel later this week. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a great spot right now for the men's basketball program. Lewis Rowe has obviously been under a lot of heat from a lot of the fan base. Some people wanting a change there. Um, I'm not someone who's always advocating for change all the time because it's hard to build programs when you're constantly cycling through coaches every three to four to five years. But that's something that might come up at the end of the year because Jeff Bourne at the end of last season obviously gave out a message of support for Roe and said he felt he needed to do that because of some of the conversation around the program. So whenever AD is giving out messages of support, never a great thing in the long run for the program, but they still got a lot of time this season. They're eight and seven overall. Just got to see what they can do. And really for this level, as crazy as it sounds, you can play all season and it really comes down to that CAA tournament at the end of the year. And JMU oh, could gosh. go in there as a sixth seed or a seventh seed and get hot and win a couple games. That can really change the, the tenor <laughs> of everything around here. Yeah, exactly. So you want to see them play better here as, time, as things go along. And, and they've shown great stretches of basketball, like I've said before, but they just haven't been consistent. That's been the problem the last few years. And Lewis Rowe has not backed away from that. He's talked about that and said they, they're still working to get consistency. That's the biggest thing evading this team right now. So it'll just be interesting to see. The next couple of weeks here will be really big for this program as they kind of get closer here to the heart of their conference schedule. All right. Well, we'll uh, end it on a lighter note with <laughs> asking you, uh, Did you were you able to binge anything over the holidays or have you been watching anything recently that uh, the listeners should know about that you would recommend? That's a great question. So um, – I have I watched a bunch of movies over the, over the holidays. Okay. I went and saw the new Star Wars movie, which I really mm. liked. I thought that was pretty good. I saw um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I liked that with uh, okay. um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in terms of movies. So there were two pretty good movies I saw over the holidays in terms of what I've been watching um, TV show wise. So I watch I'm watching. I'm almost finished with a mini series on Netflix called The Last Czars. It's about kind of the downfall of the czars in Russia in the oh, early 1900s. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's half drama half like documentary so parts okay. of the show you feel like you're watching a tv show then other parts of it it's historians telling you what you kind of just watched mm-hmm. um so it's it's pretty interesting i kind of like the way they do it and uh, i got one episode to go and obviously it's historical nonfiction. so i know how it ends because i'm so interested to see right, how, this, right. how this how this last episode kind hey, of you knew how star wars was going to end too so <laughs> that's true that's true um <laughs> And then the other show that I just recently started watching uh, with my girlfriend is uh, The Crown, um, which is obviously very popular on Netflix. It's about the story of Queen Elizabeth. And uh, um, a lot of people had suggested it to me, and I finally started it. We're about three or four episodes in, and really good. like it a lot so far, and really excited to continue that one going. But I can't watch any of that while I'm in Frisco because I can't watch any episodes without the girlfriend around. So we'll, we'll, stick away from, we'll stay away from watching that and maybe start something new in Frisco if I even have any time in the hotel because it's going to be a, a crazy uh, few days coming up. Have here. you watched The Mandalorian? 
I have not. I actually don't have a Disney Plus subscription at the moment. What a great time to start that Disney Plus trial. (laughs) What a great time to start that trial while you're in Frisco. Trust me, my eyes have been on it. I've been thinking about it. And I've kind of just been trying to say, hey, let's get to the end of football season here um, and see see what we can do. And speaking of football, I got to give a huge shout out. I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. So go Chiefs this this Sunday against uh, against the Texans. Thankfully, my flight gets back into Dulles, and I should be back into Harrisonburg in time for kickoff of the, that game on Sunday. So looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the Chiefs playing in the playoffs and obviously watching JMU um, play in the national championship. Yeah. So between the three of us here, the Chiefs um, are, are the uh, who we want to win. Uh, the great. AFC because I mean Joe is a Ravens fan, but there's only one of him. So collectively, we'll, we're on the Chiefs bandwagon. Like I'm from the Steelers like bandwagon, so uh, I'm you. I have a rented time on the Chiefs wagon here uh, in January. Hey, every everyone is welcome aboard the bandwagon. <laughs> I know we've gotten a lot of fans with Patrick Mahomes over the last year or so here. So really looking forward to that. Anybody with the Ravens at this point. Now that the Patriots are out of the way, anybody with the Ravens. Oh my gosh, true, the true. disrespect for <laughs> Lamar Jackson just out here breaking barriers. I mean, no, I goodness. did have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, on my doing the same thing Mahomes did last year. No, Patrick Mahomes was not doing what Lamar Jackson's doing. I mean, Patrick Mahomes yeah, is a really you're right, good passer. You're right. Mahomes is going to win a Super Bowl. Sorry, go ahead, TJ. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, I was just saying, I, I, I'm conflicted because obviously I love Patrick Mahomes. I'm a Chiefs fan. He's, he's great. But I did have Lamar on my fantasy team this year. So I have a soft spot for Lamar as well. So, but obviously, push comes to shove. I'm rooting for, yeah. for Patrick and, and Big oh, Andy Reid. So. <laughs> Well, thanks for uh, hopping on here with us, TJ, even if you are rooting for the Chiefs in the playoffs. Uh, (laughs) But we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, and uh, hope you have a safe flight and have a good time over there in Frisco. Go Dukes. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And hopefully uh, for for you, Joe, and and the rest of the Shenandoah Valley, that JMU can come back with um, a national championship. That'd be great. Yep. All right. I'll see you guys. All right. Be safe, man. Yep. Thanks. All right, D-block time, but thanks again to TJ Eck for coming on with us there and uh, going over everything, All a lot of JMU there, and uh, good luck to him and his travels down to Frisco, and uh, we'll be watching him on TV3 all weekend. But, Joe, let's talk about us a little bit here and what's dominating our lives. I'll go first, and I'm excited about the Jeopardy tournament of greatest of all time champion situation that they have set up here prime time eight o'clock abc starting tuesday night running until someone wins seven games or wins uh three games um so at most it'll be seven for these three guys uh i'm excited i think it's awesome that they set this up i think jeopardy's gotten a lot of tension around uh trebek and how long he'll be on there health wise and so i'm glad they're doing this and i think given the show like propping it up right now is, is kind of an honor to, to Trebek, but using the the talent that's been fun to watch from these three guys that have their own records and fame from what they've done on Jeopardy. And I'm excited to watch it. And I know it's going to dom- dominate my wife, dominate my life for the next week. My <laughs> wife will be watching. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, well, I am excited about the Jeopardy too. Uh, And, you know, especially with because the news that Alex Trebek has already prepared his, you know, goodbye speech to broke this week, too. And that was really sad, like reading it and seeing the little excerpt 
that he shared that was going to be part of that. Um, ugh, man, that's like I said, I'm an emotional guy to begin with. So when I read that, I was like, oh, God, that's going to be a really hard episode to watch. Um, but look, this is going to be a great thing for Jeopardy. I, these three guys are awesome. And yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see how they go. I hope it goes seven. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great television and, uh, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. And look, if you don't like Jeopardy. Okay. Um, but I I love it. I I love even, you know, some, depending on what the categories are, depends on how well I'm going to do watching it. But, um, I like playing along with the players and it's a lot of fun. So yeah. uh, Who you got? I think James is probably going to win, but I'm rooting for Ken. I got James. I think he's got it. I think I, right. I, I like his approach and I, he's willing to risk anything and he bets on himself and it paid off too many times for me not to, to take him this time. Mm-hmm. All right. What's dominate your life? Well, I could be talking about the West wing, uh, because I've been rewatching the West wing to try to, doesn't that feel good? Yeah. Make you happy. I yeah. need to watch that so I can feel good. Um, yes. but <laughs> I will uh, not touch that and I will move on to <laughs> the Mandalorian. Uh, season one, I finally finished it over the holiday break and I loved it. Uh, season one's great. Uh, I thought there were a couple episodes that you feel might be a little filler, but that's okay. Uh, it's, the, honestly, the fact that it was only eight episodes long kind of bothered me, and now I have to wait until fall of 2020 for season two. But I loved it. Um, obviously, everyone knows. Even if you haven't seen it, I'm not spoiling anything at this point because you have you have the internet, and you've seen Baby Yoda. I was really surprised at how much Baby Yoda stole my heart and stole this show <laughs> because, let me tell you, when I went in, I was like, oh, dude, Mandalorian looks awesome, this the pictures look great. The scenes look great in the trailer. This Mandalorian guy looks so badass. And then you watch it. And like, after the first episode, you're like, Oh, what is this baby Yoda thing? I love it. And, uh, if Disney were to get rid of baby Yoda, I think my interest in the show would crash drastically, but, (laughs) um, and I didn't think I'd be saying that, but I'm looking forward to season two. I, I thought season one was really good. And I highly recommend it to anyone who is remotely interested in star Wars. Yeah, and, and here's I'm the good g- news. If you haven't seen Star Wars, you don't really need a whole lot of background knowledge to understand what's going on in the show. And I'm not a, a Star Wars nerd by any means, but I go see the movies when they come out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't dress up, but I, I go watch them. Oh, sure. And I'm excited about watching the show. So now that the season has been completely released, I am going to start watching it at some point because I didn't want to get to a point where I'm on a run and then would have to wait. wait. I don't operate that way anymore. If, if it's a show on the Internet, I better be able to watch the whole thing right now. So uh, that's what I got plans for, and I'll get to that soon. But, Joe, what do you know that I need to know? Um, I guess I'll go with this one that you gave me because uh, I don't know a lot right now. But um, <laughs> we'll go with Tua going pro. I wasn't that surprised by it. No. I, yeah. It makes the most sense for him. It makes the most sense. Uh, for his for his playing career, I think if he comes back, you run the risk of getting hurt again, and then you're going instead of going against Joe Burrow, drop off. Um, because I do like this quarterback class, but I think two is probably the second best quarterback. Maybe I still think he goes top top ten. Yeah, at least maybe top 
maybe Jake Fromm ends up being a better pro quarterback. I don't know. But uh, I, I just think if he waits, then you're going up against Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and who knows who else comes out of that draft class that we don't know about yet. So I think he made the right call and good for him. And I don't feel bad for Nick Saban. They've got somebody else in the pipeline who's already ready to go. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they got his younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's on the field yeah. ready to go. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised he goes. I mean, you'd rather find out how much these injuries have debilitated you with a paycheck. Uh, you know, you don't want to go back another year and risk falling further or, you know, completely being done with football and relying on some kind of insurance policy if it exists. So go get paid. Go be a top 10. I say top 20 at least, but probably top 15 at least pick and and get your money and get get some money and go i think the dolphins are still interested i think so too and i still see that maybe adding up and i'm not i'm not sold he can't be a good pro even with the injuries i know about i don't i i I don't want my steelers to necessarily get him if somehow he drops all the way to where the steelers are do i really want him or not i i don't know but i i just haven't ruled him out so I think this is a good decision for him to go, and uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I don't know. Anybody I leaving Alabama is fine with me. So. Yeah, sure. All right. What I know that you need to know, and this hits on what as serious as we get on this podcast probably, <laughs> on the point that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you can coach football or play football, you're going to have a job somewhere. And Ole Miss proved that again as they hire an assistant coach there, former head coach of Maryland, DJ Durkin, who was the head coach at Maryland when the player died uh, from football-related activities. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot of discussion on this in the last week, but it just comes back to my initial reaction of what the point I've already made. It doesn't matter what you do. It does not matter what you do. If you can football good, you're going to have a job. That's just gets proven time and time again. You can beat the heck out of women, but if you can tackle a quarterback, you're on the field. You can set your recruits and players up with entertainment at night, and (laughs) you're going to get a head coach job at some university that prides itself on being above stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You can be over top, overlooking ahead of the program, activities being held where a player dies as a result of it. And you're going to be able to be an assistant at a major university very soon after. And it's just, I'm, you know, maybe he deserves to have a job. Maybe, you know, like, it's not like he shot a gun and killed the kid. I get that point. But like, instead of making the argument of, well, does he deserve to have, you know, doesn't he deserve to have another job? Like, why can't we just write these people off? There's other people that can do this job. Well, there's other people who can do this job. Well, that are available. It's not just about available. And DJ Durkin was without a job. You can go get these other guys, but no, they know he can do well at coaching football. And I, I just, I just would be re- quicker to risk being wrong about this situation than being, than, than giving these guys the chance. That's just how I feel. Well, I'm just going to prepare you. It's you're probably one or two more years away before Art Bryles gets a second chance at major D1 college football, because I just don't believe in the 
fake integrity and ethics that a lot of these programs preach that they have. I, I just don't. You're right. Uh, in my opinion, DJ Durkin should not be coaching football. I wouldn't want, if I had a kid, I wouldn't want him going anywhere where this guy is involved. Um, and so it's, it's upsetting, uh, that he gets this chance. I talk about it all the time. Uh, when, when this kind of stuff comes up and it's usually on the player side of, you know, Oh, well we got rid of that guy. Cause our team doesn't put up with knuckleheads and our team doesn't put up with bad apples. And I'm like, yeah, they do. Yeah, you just don't know do. about it. Wait till next week when your running back goes down and you yeah. need the running back that be- beat his wife. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, gonna they go do. Get Ray Rice, they don't care. You know? Yeah, they don't care. Um, it's just it's lip service for the team that makes the that has to cut him in the moment, but then somebody else picks him up because actually none of these guys care. And it, you know, again, I don't want to get too political, but Ricky Gervais had a great line in the Golden Globes speech in his open where he asked these actors and actresses in Hollywood not to make political speeches because he doesn't really believe that they believe anything that they're saying. Uh, and he said something along the lines of if ISIS had a streaming service, you'd be calling your agents to get a job. And he's got a point. A lot of these people preach against all this bad stuff and they work for these companies that don't do great things. So or directors or producers yeah, that are yeah. not yeah. great people and do bad things. So, uh, yeah, it's when when these university presidents say, you know, we care about athletic or we care about, you know, doing the right thing and we care about ethics and all this. And I'm like, nah, not really. You don't. I mean, and during again, the speech you do. Yeah. Yeah. During the speech, <laughs> you might care about it. But then when, you know, when it comes to actually practicing doing the right thing, you, you don't. Um, and I, I have to look as far as JMU. Again, we've talked about JMU playing this national championship game. I got news for you if it comes down to Raleigh Stapleton catching the game-winning touchdown pass or we lose I hope we lose I don't want him to be involved if we if him catching the game-winning touchdown pass is what it takes to win I don't want to win I can't stand that kid I everybody deserves a second chance but for me what he did is one of the most despicable things you can do he's getting and, a second chance at like having his life and like, that's his second chance that's his second yeah. chance that's what gets on my nerves is people think playing football or playing a sport is somehow entitled in this second chance. No, living your life as a free man, not being charged with yeah. bad charges there. Yeah. I, I, kids might be listening. So I just, I, I, that's your second chance. Living as a free man is your second chance, not playing football. I, yeah, I just. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fine. You know, whatever, your second chance business, but I, I'm not rooting for that. I can't root for that. Um, no, I don't root for him either. No. It's been a tough thing all year. I think I said it on the other week. I mean, yep. like, he catches a pass in the game, and me and my wife look at each other like, we're not happy about this. Like, yeah. That's one if they all miss right. a targeting call, I'd be okay. So. <laughs> yeah, a couple jokes ran through my head there. I'll leave them alone. But let's get out of here. Um, we uh, are looking forward to these national championship games this week. We'll be watching them. We'll hopefully be tweeting at each other about them. Uh, the tweeting was quiet this weekend cause I was, had a hammer in my hand or let's be honest. I was watching other people do hard work this weekend while, go. uh, these games were on, but this week I should be able to sit down and watch them. So hopefully you can interact with us while these games are going on. Uh, and hopefully you don't have to wait till next week's podcast to hear our thoughts or see our reactions to what happened. Then we'll be back next week. Joe and I always happy to do this each and every week as you can always be subscribing to us on Podbean, Apple,
Google, Spotify, so you don't miss an episode in case we post a day early or a, or a, any a pop-up episode if something big happens. And then also follow us on Twitter or Facebook at YakSportsPod. And then you could always email us at YakSportsPod at gmail.com and stay in touch with us those ways. So we look forward to this week, and we look forward to talking about it next week when we're back with more Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.